hello, I'm Daniel, or Daniel, if you want to pronounce it correctly. Um, I um, want to talk to you about prayer. And, um, you know, it's 2022 now, and so it's 10 years for me of having gone through a personal transformation on this whole topic. So I wanted to park here today and just share with you what's been happening in my life on prayer. And, and um, you know, nothing that really happens to us that the Lord builds in us is really for us. It's really for his people as well, you know. So maybe there's a few things that um, I can share with you today that can, that can inspire you. Twelve, uh, ten years ago, I hit what I think was the first real low in my life. Um, I wouldn't say uh, I was depressed because I haven't been diagnosed as depressed, but I think I was sort of in that space. Um, I was questioning... Um, where I was at in life, the things I was sensing in God, the things I had imagined for myself wasn't fitting the space I was in, the things I was doing. And it really just brought me to a really low place. And I remember in the winter of 2012, Cape Town winter, which is much worse than English winter. And the reason is because we have no central heating. So we're a lot colder in 12 than you are in minus 5. But anyway, um, what I remember is it I was just pure desperation. I was just desperate for more of God. I wanted uh, him in a greater measure. I wanted to see him expressed fuller in my life. And out of that sort of sense of desperation, I just went to uh, my garage. And um, I remember clearing space because we had a bunch of stuff there. I remember the cement, the grittiness of the cement, and putting out some newspaper, and I spent weeks going out there regularly in the cold, my big red jacket, which I bought from Chinatown for a pound, um, and feeling the, the uneven or the grittiness of the cement on my knees trying to memorize scripture and just praying and praying and praying you know god where you know where are you or not well you know what what, what is this all about and that's that sense of sort of i i, I want to throw myself on you rather than do anything else and um what started as sort of a, a thing of desperation over time i remember a few months in clocking that i don't think i've ever actually prayed prior to this now I don't mean that I haven't prayed because I've really been in church for most of my, certainly since my teenage years. Um, and, and I grew up in a sort of a traditional style church and most of my life I've been in church and I've prayed in some form. And when my faith became alive as a young person, um, I you know, would come to church and we'd pray and, and, and Bible studies and cell or, uh, small groups. I've always been praying, worship leading, praying. But there was something about starting off in this sort of place of desperation on my knees that took me to a different place. It's kind of like, uh, like a cave explorer who's got sort of their roots where they go regularly and then one day with a little axe or whatever, knocking through a, a, a wall in a, in a well-worn sort of path and then discovering there's an entire new chamber right adjacent to this place that they've been to. And it's like I sort of just discovered in the sort of rhythm of it all and in the 
desire that I started feeling that there was this entire different place of prayer that I just have sort of went into. And it started with my desperation. But you know, the thing is, God didn't answer pretty much any of what I've been asking for. <laughs> He's so helpful like that. <laughs> but I sort of prayed through all of that feeling and found myself in this new place. And, you know, while my rhythms have been ad hoc, I'd say, I haven't stopped or turned back since then. I now pray a heck of a lot more than I ever used to pray. Um, and what was different is that I went and started seeking God in more solitude and in more extended periods of time. And, and that, that really made a big difference in me. And I, I feel almost embarrassed looking pre that because I just feel like I never really prayed. But then again, I mean, that's, that's the journey of faith, right? Is you go and you go through these stages and you sort of look back on your previous self and you go, well, to be honest, I was just dabbling. And I remember distinctly, I mean, my father and mother-in-law was there. We, we many, many years ago, left a church. Um, and for a number of months, we were sort of churchless. And my father-in-law said, hey, let's just do some Bible study at my house. Sort of, sort of to cover the gap <laughs> while, you, while you guys figure out what you want to do. And I remember us going through, who is Jesus? Do you remember that? And it was the same thing for me. I felt embarrassed <laughs> going through that because I kind of gone, did I really even know Jesus prior to sort of looking at the scriptures in the way we did in that group? Some, there was like one or two of those scriptures that we sort of discussed felt quite illuminating to me. And I was sort of confronted with it. It's the same sort of thing with the prayer. Um, it just, in a way, changed me. So I want to talk with you through some of the things I feel I've run into, all of this. I'm not trying to tell you I understand or know it all. A, a lot of it has actually become more mysterious to me. Um, but, but maybe there's, there's a few things here. So the first thing for me, I'm going to give you some points later, but right now I'm just going to babble. So prior to the points, the first thing for me with prayer is that it's, it's appealing to the presence of God. It's me appealing to God's presence. There is something of sort of a leaning forward and a throwing oneself down to the presence of God. Now, the thing is, you don't need to understand the presence of God. and You don't need a degree in theology. It is a sort of an inner posture. So that's sort of the first thing I said to you about prayer, is that it's sort of a leaning forward and appealing to, to this thing we call God. This, this being, which to some extent we have insight to, but actually goes so much higher and more complex than we can, can imagine. And then um, the second thing is that there are two words, faith and imagination. Faith you may hear a lot about, but perhaps not so much about prayer and imagination. Proverbs uh, 23 verse 7 says that as a man thinks... So is he. So in prayer, as you think or believe or have faith, or as you imagine, so I believe, your prayer life and your experience of the presence of God is the same. Um, how is imagination different from faith? Well, imagination firstly is uh, defined as the action of forming new ideas or images or concepts of external things that's not yet present to the senses. 
I'm imagining an image, an idea, a thought of something that's not yet currently present. Faith in the Christian concept is hoping in something, but basing that hope on the assurance that God is who he says he is and his character is trustworthy, right? So I hope in God for, say, salvation, and I believe it to be true before I can see any of it because of his character and who he says he is. It's my trust invested in him. So really, both of them are similar because they both are about the unseen, imagination and faith. But I think of faith, faith is described by Paul as the substance of things hoped for. So it's almost as if I hope for something, that, that faith in that something is the substance. The substance produced by that hope is called faith, right? So I have faith, but it's all based on my belief that God is who we say he is, he's trustworthy, and he will do as he says he will. Not necessarily as I think he should, but he is trustworthy, right? That's faith. Um, any good relationship, you have to have trust, Amen. right? So that sort of faith relationship with God. If you want to go from acquaintance to friendship, the jump is trust, right? This is a good guy. I can trust him. You know, I might not trust him with my life, but I, know, I can see from the bit I've seen, he's a good guy, right? Paul. I'm talking about Paul. <laughs> He does kitchen cupboards, so you can trust him. <laughs> the jump from friendship to intimacy is, again, trust, but it's an entirely different level of trust. When you get to that level, and very few people do, you are investing such a level of trust that you require very little proof that you will do what you just said you will do. Right? So that sort of faith investment in God when you come in prayer is only improved by your ability to go, I have less and less need for all the answers and all the explanations. You know, it's an interesting thing in relationships that, let me choose uh, uh, somebody, uh, Paul, <laughs> I don't know you very well, I'm gonna pick on you today. Um, I can fully trust Paul and I don't know everything about him. And that's how you can trust God. You can actually fully trust him without having experienced absolutely everything about him. Anyway, that's the sort of faith part of prayer that I've felt has really deepened in me. My, my faith, my, my prayer life is richer because I can actually pull away more and more from having to have all the answers and deeper in a sense of trust. Not blind trust with no thinking and rationale, that stuff, no, but a trust that doesn't need to control. That's what you need to let go of. So I would say rationalize the heck out of it, study the heck out of it, and challenge yes. those who make statements about God. But there's a big difference between having to have the answer in order to trust and actually going, Lord, I don't need to know everything about God. I can still trust him, and I can dig into those things more and more. The second thing is imagination. So imagination doesn't have this faith element because it's basically about this sort of um, action of taking, imagining thoughts, um, um, images, concepts, before they come into being. So, look around you. Look at this building. This existed as an imagination in somebody's head long before it was right here. But just think about it. Feel the carpet. It was simply in somebody's head. 
And then what proceeded was this long process of being handed over to different people. The idea gets sort of, it's almost like the concept grows like an embryo. It goes bigger and bigger and bigger. It goes, it goes to an architect. It gets expanded. Energy, money, time. Next stage, builders, ground clearing. You know, it's, it's, it's energy, investment, time. And, and eventually it becomes a reality. So I think there's something about prayer that takes the sort of unseen part of faith and trust in God, but it also takes sort of the imagination to say, I can imagine knowing what God's like. You know, there's a scripture that says, for instance, it is um, Romans 3 verse 10, I think it says, well, that all men would be saved. I think that's the right reference, but if it's not Romans, it's somewhere, uh, that all men would be saved. I'm, it, you can Google it, it really is there. Um, it is the, the will of God that all men would be saved. So Lord, if it's your will that all men would be saved, number one, I believe in faith, that's true, but I can imagine, Lord, how amazing would it be if Stratford sees just so much more people being saved like you want. I'm imagining, Lord, Lord, I'm imagining that maybe with us here and some of the other churches, something, you can do something that actually breaks the kingdom deeper in. Yeah. Lord, you know, our church, yeah, we can play a part, but Lord, maybe what can you do? What can we imagine so that justice will roll like a river and, and there will be change and salt and light? Can you, can you imagine it? So now your prayer takes this sort of God-given faculty and it sort of colors it. It's almost like faith is the black outline, like in a children's book, and imagination goes pink and blue and yellow. Are you with me? So, this is number one, sort of an encouragement. Well, it's not actually number one because there's actual number one coming. But um, this is sort of the encouragement. Take, take your prayer life and fill it out. Fill it out and, and, and make it colorful. And take your imagination and base it on who God is and what he says he is and what he's interested in. And don't just sort of in a sterile way. I know that you, nobody tries to go and have a sterile prayer life, but, but sort of. Push yourself to imagine and bring fullness. You know, while Paul doesn't talk about imagination in this sense, um, he, there, there is something in Ephesians 3, verse 20, where he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, to him be the glory in the church, etc. So it's all about, he's, he's talking about something else, but he sort of hints here uh, to him who's able to do more than we can ask or imagine, da-da-da-da-da. He's saying, hey, if you can imagine great things, if you can ask for great things, God can do even better. So here's the encouragement sort of hidden in there. Think as big as you can. Pray the heck out of that thing. Imagine so big. And that's sort of where God seems to be stepping in. Right? So what can we imagine for our lives? Lord, I can imagine that I can really be free from sinful habits or patterns in my life. I can imagine standing strong. I can imagine praying with faith. I can imagine, God, that I can be totally confident knowing that you're by my side. I can imagine, Lord, that even though I have a chemical disposition to 
depression, that I, I don't need to be defined by that. I can imagine that, yes, there might be a struggle, Lord, but I, I might actually imagine that I can be above it. Yes. Can, you, can you imagine that? Can you, yeah. can you, so, so not sort of magic thinking and we sort of wish things away. You know, we've got to deal with the realities of life and some things get answered and some things, but let's imagine. Let's Absolutely. fill ourselves with, and then imagine that God can do more Amen. than that, right? Oh, man. Well, I have just finished my introduction. Thank you. Imagine that. Thank you. Thank you. If I'm not doing well, throw me with something. <laughs> um, okay. Seven points. I wanted to do points today. If you have a phone, maybe take out your phone, make some points if you've got a pen and paper. This is the kind of thing that you might want to jot down. So number one, prayer is yielding. Number one, prayer is yielding. Amen. It's an ongoing act that symbolizes your will be done, not mine. By praying, you're disciplining yourself to remember that you draw your source of life from God, not yourself. We symbolize with our bodies by ongoing prayer a sort of holy, holy, holy. By constantly praying, it's almost like our bodies are symbolically throwing ourselves onto the Lord and reminding us that it's not by might, not by power, as your scripture said this morning, but by God's spirit and that it's within weakness that I'm strong. Yes. Number one, prayer is yielding. Number two, prayer is like a sport. Practice yields results. You discover in prayer that it's almost like layers. The more you're at it, yes. the more you seem to just peel back something new, right? And it just sort of, over time, just keeps going. Mm -hmm. And so like an athlete that needs to discipline themselves mm -hmm. in a sport, prayer is just simply, if you want more results out of your prayer life or more satisfaction, my simple encouragement to you is just do it a little more than you're doing it yeah. now. Amen. Just keep going at it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, Romans 12 Paul says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Hallelujah. Be constant yes. Hallelujah. in prayer. Amen. Want a stronger, better prayer life? Yeah. Make a quality decision now Amen. that you'll just pray more. Amen. Number three, prayer is mystical. You seem to get better at the rhythms of prayer, but you never seem to fully master it or actually even understand how the whole thing works. And that's one of the big discoveries in all of this. Why do some prayers seem to be answered and others not? Why do we need to pray for some things when the Bible says in Matthew 6 that he knows everything we ask before we even ask it? My take on this and this is my take, you can disagree with me if you want, but it is that the lesson in the mystical nature of prayer is that we just don't get to control everything. That's my takeaway. We Certainly, 20th century will teach you that when humans get too much power, the whole thing tanks. Yes. You know? <laughs> there is enough history in... Enough human history politically to show that when people gain a lot of power and their hearts yeah. are corrupt, right. 
that people suffer. I just think that if we got everything we prayed for, even when we think we are so smart in what we ask for, we would just be spiritual uh, dictators to some extent. That's my personal suspicion. I, I've always found it amazing that so many of the faith healers, if, you, if you're familiar with this concept of faith healers, people who have seen extraordinary moves of God in their own lives, in signs and wonders and things like that, they often die from disease. Yes, true. So the power of God would flow through their lives and do incredible healings, but they themselves would die of cancer, for yeah. instance. Yeah. And to me, that's a kind of, you don't, you don't get... God does not share his glory is what comes to mind when I think yeah, of that. Yeah. And so you may operate in these gifts, but they are gifts and they are, um, yeah, true. we don't get to dictate. Um, which brings me on to say that number four, prayer is for me, not for God. So I'm convinced that prayer is about personal transformation almost more than anything else. I don't think it's exclusively about personal transformation, but I think a big part of prayer is personal transformation. God does not need to be informed about my need. It's not like he doesn't know. So what's the point in praying? The point is what's happening here in me. The process of yielding, the process of going to God, that discipline that gets built in you, that aligns with this whole thing of sanctification. Well, Paul talks about going from glory to glory, where throughout our lives we see ourselves transformed. Look at the, the great biblical figures like Paul or Moses who encounter God at a certain point in their lives. And by constantly having to yield unto God, many, many years later come out completely transformed. And that yielding is partly in prayer, partly in constantly going back Prayer transforms me, and therefore it is for me, not for God. There's, a, there's another, I don't know if you've heard this interpretation, but Moses prayed that God would not destroy Israel when God got angry at them, and he prayed and God decided not to destroy them. So the interpretation of what's going on there that I believe in is essentially that God never really intended to destroy them, but the journey and the transformation in Moses was that these people that he so really hated, if you read yeah. in, he eventually became the sort of custodian in his own heart. He became the protector. And it's almost exactly what God wanted to happen in Moses. He needed to get him to a point where the very people that he wanted to destroy himself because they were constantly nagging and being difficult. He became sort of their protector because Moses is a foreshadowing of Jesus. And Jesus came, in a sense, to protect you from your sin. And so the work in Moses was essentially being done by him standing up for them. God transforms us in prayer. And sometimes the wrestle in prayer is what the prayer is for, not really what you are putting on the prayer table. Number five, prayer brings peace. There's something about regularly yielding unto God, worshiping him, throwing your cares on him that produces a deep sense of inexplicable peace. And this is directly in line with Philippians 4, 
verse 6, which says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. This is probably one of the great surprises to me of my own prayer journey, is that I've become a lot more at peace. Now, don't say that, a, that my own pr personal prayer meetings take away all my anxiety. They don't. But I feel like prayer has produced a reservoir of peace in me that I didn't have before. And I think it's partly because I'm much more often throwing my cares on the Lord. I'm much more often coming to Him and I'm forced in that moment to align my thinking and my world on Him. And I think that produces a sense of reminding and uh, you know, the comfort that that brings. So prayer brings peace, number five. Number six, prayer keeps us mindful of what's important. Prayer keeps us mindful of what's important. If you're in this sort of regular prayer pattern, regular petition, asking for help, asking for God's will to be done in every situation, it has a profound effect on what you consider important. You cannot regularly be praying, your will be done, not mine. You cannot regularly pray, forgive them for their trespasses and hate them or come to the prayer thing with a destructive intent. You just can't. And prayer sort of lifts up what's, what's really important. It also has an incredible effect on sin. In Luke 22, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, from verse 39, if you want to take that down, he, he says to the disciples as he goes off to pray, pray that you would not enter into temptation. And later comes back and he says, why are you sleeping? And he says to them again, get up and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. Amen. It's an essential part of your own journey of sanctification that you pray. Regular prayer just is one of those safeguards in your life that will stop your heart from being dragged into sin. And remember, that's often what happens, is, as James so eloquently puts, that you sin because the desire in your heart, you're dragged away by the desire in your own heart. So if you pray regularly, um, you're likely to be slower to get pulled away into temptation. Are you still with me? Yes. I'll add another seven points. Okay. Seventh point. The last point on this, and it's the number of completion, seven, so fullness. John writes, the point is, despite all this other stuff, not mystical and not always knowing, prayer changes things. Number seven, prayer changes things. I don't like formulaic style spirituality. I, for many years, was, and I'm very thankful for the kind of church environments I've been in, it's shaped me, it's built me, it's been the hand of God to me. But, you know, as you get older and you get discerning and you, you realize that, you know, some of the stuff we taught one another in different contexts is maybe not so necessary. And this is my words. I have become a lot less interested in what I would call formulas. So you do this and do this and God does that, right? Now, I'm not saying there isn't things you do and God doesn't because God talks like that to some extent. There is rewards for those who diligently seek him. That feels, you know, like cause and effect kind of stuff. But when it comes to prayer, I just, I'm, I'm careful to go that you do it a certain way and you'll get something except for what's written in 1 John 14, 
which is this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. There's something about understanding that prayer in the will of God produces a great effect. Now, here's the funny thing is nobody can agree what his will entirely means. <laughs> so, so here's my encouragement to you is pray always to find the will of God in a situation. Amen. And I think it's a lifetime discovery. Yeah. But if you pray in the will of God, or ask yourself, what is the will of God in this? Not, not, not Lord, should I, should I eat white bread or brown bread this morning kind of will. I'm not always sure that's what God's into. Maybe he is, but he's not into that with me. Um, but... But, you know, it's, it's a silly example would be, Lord, destroy that colleague of mine. I can't stand them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's, 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 let's pray within the will of God as expressed in the scriptures, as understood in the community of faith, and as we understand the Holy Spirit's leading in our own lives. Those three pillars you kind of always need to have in your, in your life. The scriptures, the community. And, uh, and your own experience. They temper one another because God works among us and he puts leaders and teachers. Yeah, the scriptures is a clear light and many of the answers we need actually is already just right there. But then there's also that sort of personal leading of the spirit. Discern the will of God in those sort of areas and um, you'll find that your prayers will be more effective and you'll pray prayers more in line with the will of God if, you, if you pray like that. Um, it changes things. And um, Moses asked God not to destroy those Israelites, and God held back. Elijah asked for rain, and it rained. Gideon asked for a sign, and a sign was given more than once. The apostles prayed for healings and miraculous things, and they happened. And then Jesus comes along in John 14 and says, I have to go away, but you will do greater things. So there is an imperative on the believer to believe and have faith, and I would say imagine greater things. Don't, don't because of the mystical nature and our inability to control and always understand, hold back. Be bold. Think big. Think to the full extent of what these things mean in our lives. And if Jesus has done a few great things, make that the entry point for your prayers. Amen? Yeah, good. I want to end with... Um, the Lord's Prayer, and pull out just a few things there, and, and we can pray together and end. But let me just say, because I think, Anne, you mentioned something about many Christians would love to pray like we do to, this morning. I work for an organization that um, serves persecuted Christians around the world. Um, and this was a big week for us. We just um, launched our annual research on this uh, kind of stuff. Um, and it's a grim, very grim picture of what's going on in many non-Western countries where there is no rule of law. Um, and um, I would encourage you to look into things like that to sort of help your own faith mm. and just understand how unbelievably blessed and fortunate you are to live in a country yeah, where there is rule of law, there is freedom of religion or belief. And uh, we should pray for those things to continue in these nations. Yeah. They are being eroded, people, by the uh, forces at play. But... Um, I say that because it reminded me of something that I've heard more than once, is that often when our teams go out to be with persecuted Christians somewhere in some of these nations, because that's often the only thing we can do is we can just go and spend a few days with them, praying with them. They would say things like, all we want you 
to do is just be here and pray with us. Uh, we know you can't help us with anything else. Just be here and pray with us. And secondly, just pray that the persecution wouldn't stop. Pray that we would be refined, you know. And there's something about that sort of prayerfulness and that sort of, um, when, when everything's said and done, all that's left is the ability to pray and be refined. Um, and I just thought I'd share that with you. I, I, I'm so challenged by that. You know, that when it comes down to it, people could ask for money or aid, but they ask for prayer. And when it comes down to it, the only thing sometimes we can do is pray. And that's yeah. enough. That's Very enough. True. So um, be blessed by that. Let's, let's end with the, um, the Lord's Prayer. So I imagine today that maybe some of you would like to start afresh or you, you, you're not used to a sort of regular prayer rhythm. I think the Lord gives us this incredible template. You can read about what, what's called the Lord's Prayer in some context, but it's actually the Disciples' Prayer because the Lord gave it to the disciples. But anyway, um, Matthew 6 and Luke 11 has two versions of it. Um, Nick, if you can put up those words. Um, let's pray it together and then I'll pull out a few things and, and, and then we can end uh, in a time of communion. Um, have we got it? Yeah. So let, let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory is yours forever. Amen. So if you want to sort of refresh your prayer life, you want to start on a journey, the things that Jesus calls out here, I've come to appreciate so much more than when I was a younger Christian. Because they almost frame the really important things that you need to be concerned about. So number one, our Father in heaven. You know, Matthew, uh, in, in Matthew 5, 6, 7, we see Jesus introducing the concept of God as a Father. He could have said, our God in heaven. He could have said, our Lord in heaven. And it would be entirely applicable. And I would be preaching here and we'd all be amening. But he says, our Father in heaven. It just tells you that in approaching God, you should approach him with the tenderness of a good, caring, favorably disposed Father. If you haven't had a good father, it will be hard perhaps to picture it. But you could perhaps picture somebody in your life that has been good to you and kind to you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Did you know the word hallowed means to sanctify? So what is he saying? Sanctified be your name. In a world where the name of God is used in vain, it means so many things. The prayer starts with this tenderness of Father in heaven. Let your name be sanctified, cleaned, purified all around the world. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Start this prayer by saying, wherever your name is uplifted. So as you pray, don't just pray. Think of the church regularly lifting its prayers like incense to the Lord. and Say, Lord, as your name is confessed on the earth, may every Christian... May it be sanctified and beautified and pure. Not a name that is laced with all sorts of the intents of men's hearts or the kinds of things that we want. But Lord, let it be sanctified. And, and when your name is used, 
throughout the earth. Let it, let it be used in beauty and purity and truth. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Amen. Immediately, what's important hits you right there. Your kingdom come. God has a rule and an established order. Please let that established rule and order come here uh, and let your will be done. It really realigns one's priorities immediately. So useful. On earth as it already is in heaven. What an incredible insight. Jesus is essentially saying, all you kind of need to be getting into, guys, is sort of like a pulling down. It's existing here. You know when Moses was doing the tabernacle and writing it all down? He was, as the scripture says in Hebrews, copying heavenly things on earth. And what the priests do when they perform their service is they're copying what's happening in heaven. I mean, there's a, there's a, uh, you know, it refers to the tithe even as something that's being copied. Um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Lord, I'm praying, going, Lord, I, I know your will's currently being done. It's being done perfectly in heavenly places. Let it be done perfectly like that here on the earth. It also gives you an, a sense of God's intent in encouraging you to pray, that it's not impossible for the God's will and reign to be established here. So don't pray defeatist just because the world is tanking on cultural or social issues. Pray that the kingdom of God will come because God expects us to pray because it obviously can happen here, right? And it starts with me as the transformed person being that kind of salt and light where I am, making the kind of decisions that express this kingdom, but collectively a group of us can do it and we can pray for other churches and Christians that that would happen around the world, yeah? Next, give us today our daily bread. Well, for the cares of life and the concerns of life, Lord, give us what we need. Give us our sustenance. Give us our strength. Give us what we need to run. Oh, a nugget. Forgive us our sins. How often have I gotten to this line and realized that I'm holding? How often have I gotten to this line and realized my wife has upset at me? For something that I've done. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Oh my gosh, how often have I, have I prayed this line and gone, oh, I can just see there's something here. I'm holding something against somebody. A stupid offense, a bit of a sulk. I just got to let it go. Amen. I got to let it go. Yeah. This line is to me like a purifier. You just can't hit the rest of that. So you just, it just sort of pushes you through the filter. I mean, if you can't say that line in sincerity, you might as well full stop there and just go back to the top and just kind of circle the whole time. Forgive us our sins. I mean, within this is so much of the intent of Jesus and God's love for us that he gave himself when we did not yet love him. So for you... To be a Christian, and especially a Christian a number of years in and a mature Christian, to still hold things against people is just so just not right, right? So let the scripture today confront us all. Forgive those who you think is sinning against you, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, the Pope, uh, the current one or the previous one, wanted to change these lines into what he was saying is a better interpretation. And I agree with him, by the way. Lead us not, yeah. it's a bit confusing. It actually means let us not succumb to temptation. 
That's kind of what the original language is saying. And so in my personal prayer, that's what I pray. Um, because the inference can be here that God's leading you to temptation. And James makes it very clear that you get led down a path because of the desires of your own heart. All right? God doesn't tempt anybody. No, um, no. But for some reason, the translators, um, and maybe the changes, the way the English language has changed, this is somewhat misunderstood. Let us not succumb to temptation. So important. Let us not succumb to temptation. But deliver us from evil. Another line, you need to remember that it's not all you and your strength and your failures that is the reason for your struggle. There is a heavenly dynamic of evil at play. So Lord, deliver us from this evil. So Lord, I recognize that when all is said and done, there is still perhaps heavenly forces at play, evil things happening that is affecting my life. Deliver me from these things. And then as um, has been added in, in uh, some manuscripts is for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's not on the original Matthew one, I think. Um, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. What a template for prayer. So my encouragement to you is pray more. Make a quality decision today to pray more. Don't be condemned. It, it, it just doesn't work if you're condemning yourself for what you haven't done. But if you're already praying regularly, Add five minutes or add some imagination or do it in a different location. Uh, go on a prayer retreat. I just came back from one. I went to an a, a, um, a, um, Anglican abbey in Leicestershire and I spent 24 hours in a prayer retreat there. I absolutely love it, but my personality also likes being on my own. So I know for people who don't like being on their own, that sounds like not anything good. Take a friend. But... Um, <laughs> But, but maybe, maybe break your, your rhythm a bit, you know. Um, or, 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 or another thing that I've done in the last number of years is I run a prayer group, 6.30 every Friday morning. I've done it for four years now. Uh, Hello, high water. It, it's, a, it's sort of a commitment I've made to just make sure that I don't put my feelings above. And I promise you, 6.30 on a winter's morning, 30 minutes drive into the center of Birmingham is not exciting. But... There's something about saying your kingdom come and your will be done. Just do things like that. Maybe structure a prayer list. Maybe go, who are the people that's impacted me in my life? What ministries have impacted me? What are, um, you know, what are the needs in my life for my work and my family? And, and start maybe putting some structure. Maybe that's what you need. Yeah. Um, maybe some of you don't have any regularity in your prayer life. Just make a quality decision today, like exercise or healthy eating, that you are going to put in your calendar Friday nights, Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, I don't know, I'm going to spend a dedicated time. And you know what, don't worry about all sorts of thoughts coming in your head. And you know, just like anything, it takes exercise and discipline over time to get comfortable praying more. Don't get into condemnation, but just yield, yield, yield unto God. Yeah? Is that good? Amen.